I may sound different today, and if I do, I apologize, but I realized right before we started recording that my microphone was gone. <laughs> it's just it's just not on the, the stand where it's supposed where is to be. It? And Well, I took it to our, our office yesterday. We recorded an episode of No Instructions with all four of us because Forby is in town this week, and we needed another microphone. So I took it, and I forgot to bring it back. Oh, so we have that's just a little, the beginning, the beginning of having several locations. Yep. Of having to go back and forth. Yep. Um, it's going to get me. It just means I have to buy like duplicates of certain things, I guess. This is, places, this but. is going to be, the, this is going to be your schedule. I know this from personal experience. I mean, in my whole life, I've had places off, off of home that I use versus home. Every night at about 1am midnight, you're going to have to go to the shop to get all the things you forgot. <laughs> Every single night. You got to go there to, yep. to drop off a chip or pick up a chip or plug your camera in because you forgot to charge it or, you know, <laughs> all those little things you take for granted that you were just kind of wandering into a different office to do. Oh, yeah. Get, get in your car, drive down the road. Oh, uh, it's already it's already happened. I mean, a couple <laughs> days ago, I was back and forth to the house like four or five times just because I forgot one little thing. And uh, luckily, it's not very far, but it's still you know, you waste time going back and forth even a few miles. So anyway, if that sounds different, it's because the mic, I'll blame it on the microphone. That's why. You sound good, actually. You sound real good. Oh, thanks. Maybe I should. Well, thank you. That has nothing to do with the microphone, but I appreciate that. How are you guys? What's up? Uh, Busy, busy, busy. Taylor is away this week. She's uh, in uh, Arizona, so she's visiting friends. So while she's away, I am like, literally working like 20 hours a day trying to get all various things done and uh you know just a little bit of house stuff i started finish i started working on the porch i put the whole porch on hold that i started in july because we had a stonemason do lots of stonework around the house he did a set of stairs in front on a set of stairs on the side actually three sets of stairs on three sides of the house and this big driveway border with uh flower beds and mm. most importantly, he redid the foundation under uh, this one big section of the house, which was just crumbling. The foundation's all stacked stone because it's an old house. So we jacked up that whole section of the house about three inches and put all stacked stone under it. Well, he did. I just paid for it. And, so uh, does, let me ask you there. Does your mm-hmm. house have, like, by foundation, are you talking about the outer border or is this, like, mm-hmm. underneath the house, these stacks, like the pillars that are supporting uh, underneath, well? underneath the Underneath the outer border. So my house is, like, okay. one, like, the original square of the house is the oldest part. 1790 is the main square of the house. But on, on it, wow. there's, there's a big addition one way, a big addition the other way, and a big addition backwards. And each one of them, even even the main house too, which is on a much deeper stone stack foundation, but those are all on like crawl spaces that you can crawl under literally. And so the stone stack wall is about 20 inches around each one of them. And they're in various states of decay, but now they're all pretty good. I mean, one section of the house is completely surrounded by a porch. So those stones are in good shape, but this one section didn't have a porch. So the weather and the ice and the snow and the buildup has really deteriorated the stack, but now it's all in perfect shape. You got it in really good order. And um, so now that he's done, I started cutting up my tongue and groove boards to put on the deck. And I'll do some Instagram stories about that. But uh, tongue and groove board, it's uh, eucalyptus or red granger, I think is the name of the wood. It's like, it's like, it's kind of like, it seems like Ipe. It's like, but it's a light colored Ipe, but we're going to stain it. And I got that just because it was available nearby. And uh, it's really nice, really nice wood. It's like a light, light colored, reddish, light colored wood. Is it super dense? 
It's very, yeah. It's funny because the dark red pieces are very dense and like the lighter ones, I guess that's the difference between sapwood and heartwood. So the, the real, some, some pieces are like a real red, um, not like a paddock red, but like a light colored version of a paddock. And uh, the, uh, the other parts are, that, that, I just am answering my question now. I don't know why some of them are heavy, some of them are light, some are sapwood, some are heartwoods. That's really what's going on. And <clears throat> it's all from South America. It's really beautiful. It's going together really nice and tight. And uh, I'm pre-cutting all the boards at the shop down the block, and I'm driving them here and then putting them in. So, so I don't have a set of, so I'm not like wrestling saws on site, which will be a pain in the butt, because there's still a lot of the stone mm-hmm. excavation stuff laying around. But this is not going to be done until spring. I mean, the whole front of the house. There's, there's, a lot, there's so much to do. Got to repaint, uh, you know, the parts of the porch that were exposed now that I've changed a lot of the stuff around. And uh, we still have a leaky front porch roof. I don't know where it's coming from. I thought I found it. I'm realizing lately that I haven't the sky. found it. Yeah. No, no. Like, there's like a leak that comes between the. So I have a covered porch in the front. And the roof meets the house. And water somehow comes down from above that and gets and just goes past that roof so this is like a trickle i thought i found it but that's not it you know water can come from anywhere and i don't know so i got to do that before so i'm like planking the porch but before i get to that side of the porch i have to figure out the leak because that's where the leak is i'm not going to put a brand new porch under where there's like a like a trickly leak because that'll just be problematic so i'm taking everything slow so i'm doing that and i'm uh i'm building uh i'm building a a little if you saw my instagram i'm this little kind of uh farmhouse kitchen island i'm building that for client but i'm gonna make that my next rockler video i did see uh, that like there was a clip of you pushing a drawer in and mm -hmm. i didn't have audio on so you probably said it but there's no drawer slide in there is that just wood on wood like with a waxed just wood on wood yep because i'm making like a farmhouse kitchen island and you know you pull out like it's supposed to be like a vintage kitchen island you pull it out and you get like big metal draw slides on it <laughs> just looks hokey i can also do undermount draw slides but then there's not enough room top to bottom because mm. the drawers are coming out of the apron and you know you usually need a lot more room for underslide and it just seems a little bit more like vintage authentic to have it just slide wood on wood and yeah. so i was just talking about that and how i had just waxed them and it made the world a difference just putting a little bit of wax inside it feels like they're on glides and then leaving the sides of the drawers longer so that when you pull it out, you see the back of the drawer, you stop pulling. And it still stays in the rails. But, you know, you, you end up sacrificing a couple inches in the back, which there's always plenty of room. You think you're giving up room, but when you do it, you're like, oh, wow, there's a lot. There's plenty of room. And the drawer doesn't fall out. That's what you don't want. You ever pull a drawer and then all of a sudden it just goes, vroom, drops right to the ground. You don't want that. You're right. You don't. Yeah. So that, that'll be a Rockwood video once that's ready to go. Cool. Did um, did I ever tell you guys the story about the crawl space and the alligator? No, sir. I think we would have remembered that. <laughs> okay, so real quick, you just mentioned crawl space, and it's been like rattling in my head the whole time you were talking. So uh, the first house that we bought was this small house from, uh, I believe it was built in the 40s, maybe, um, in Savannah. And it was in an area of town that was kind of close to... There's a kind of a drainage canal that they put in through the town and whatever. And, you know, it's a coastal city in the south. So there are alligators in not in the city usually, but they're out. Anyway, so we go to buy this house. It's got this tiny crawl space that, you know, is probably 18 inches 
of vertical clearance that you have to get in. So if you're in there, you're on your belly. And the whole house was bricked around the crawl space. And there were a few openings that were full height opening panels that you could open up. And so the guy we bought the house from was kind of a good old boy. And he was there when we went to look at it with our realtor. He was like taking care of his kids or something. And they had these two giant Dobermans, big Dobermans. And they were really sweet. <clears throat> so we're at, we're there. Um, we're, we're looking around the house. I go back and I like open the crawl space door just to look in there to see what it, you know, if it's got plastic down or if it's what, I'm just kind of peeking in. And he goes, make sure you close that back. I'm like, oh, I will. He was like, because and make sure you keep it closed if you buy the house. He's like, one time we had the dogs in the backyard and it started raining. And he told me about this. And I remembered like the year before we had two weeks of solid rain and it was just a mess and everything flooded. And it was all this. So he's telling me about we brought the dogs inside while it was raining. And so they weren't in the backyard for several days, a couple weeks at a time. You know, they didn't spend any time out there. And when it had started raining, he was working on something in the crawl space. And so he left the door, the cover, off of it. And so sometime during this two weeks of rain, his wife went out there and saw that the cover was open and put the cover back on. And so the rain finished. At some point in the future, he went out there to go underneath the house to finish the work that he was doing. So he pulls the thing off, crawls underneath the house. It's not a huge house, but like once you're in, you're in. You know, you can't just like back out really quickly and you can't get on your knees. It's too short. So he crawls in with a headlamp on. He gets halfway to the front of the house and looks up and there's an alligator trapped under the house facing him. So he can't see how long it is. (laughs) He sees this alligator face. And so he didn't leave. He pulled the thing out by its tail and threw it in the back of his truck. Now, he's telling me the story and I'm like, yeah, right. Whatever. And I didn't say that out loud. I'm just like, going, wow, really? And he's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I mean, I got around behind it and kind of wrestled it around the pillars and grabbed the tail and I yanked the thing out and I duct taped his mouth and threw it in the back of the truck. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. And he was like, you want to see a picture? <laughs> Heck yes, I do. <laughs> so he pulls out his phone, shows me a picture of a six foot alligator with its mouth what? taped up in the back of his truck that was sitting in the driveway. And I was like, dude, you are amazing. <laughs> was the alligator wearing a headlamp? Because <laughs> he was under the porch, you know. No, no. It was hungry, though. That's for sure. <laughs> it was crazy, man. But we lived in that house for, I don't know, six years or something. And I kept that thing sealed up. And still, every time I went underneath that house, I was like the biggest flashlights I can get, peeking in, like looking every corner. There's got to be something in here that will eat me. And yeah. That's anyway, funny. I That's never would have believed that a story like that. But he he was he had that picture, you know, it was probably like his top favorite or whatever. He showed it to people all the time. He pulled it right out and he's like, Yeah, check this out. Anyway, that's my crawl space story. I've gotten I've crawled under my crawl space a couple times. And I actually two real interesting stories. I crawled under my crawl space a couple times and all of a sudden I'm just like I'm too deep and I'm too fat. Like, you know what? I don't need to fix this pipe. I don't need to run yeah. that extension cord. I was just like, whatever. And I just backed out. Because, you know, you, you hear the... Because I sometimes, for several years before I was with Taylor, we've been together now for 12 years, but before that I was single. So I'd come up to the house every weekend by myself and doing stuff. And I'd have to be for like Ooh. three or four years. 
I come up here alone every weekend to work on the house. I'd be like, tell everybody if I don't come back Monday, you know, send somebody up to find me. I'm probably eaten by an alligator under the house. <laughs> Those New York <laughs> alligators. <laughs> but the, there was a, a couple times, and this isn't scary, but this is just like, wow, you just never know what you're going to come across. I opened up the floor of the laundry room. And there was a couple of boards and I just like slid them out of the way because like I could see like air beneath the, the boards. And I'm looking at what's the earth. I'm looking. So I lift up the boards in the washroom and <clears throat> I'm looking down at dirt. And then there's a and I move the boards and there's like a 40 foot deep water well, like filled with pure white water, pure crystal clear water covered with a couple of planks. It's it's right. It's like 10 feet away Whoa. from me. It is a water well that probably used to be in the exterior of the house because right where I'm sitting right now is like a is like a, a peninsula off of the main house. So this used to be probably the backyard. In fact, the wall that's right in front of me that I'm touching has clapboard underneath that. When we ripped, when we stripped the kitchen out, it was the original clapboard for the house is underneath that. So this is a whole extension. So that would have been the water well in the backyard, which is now underneath this extension. They just threw some boards over it and built the house around it. The water well is about 30 inches in diameter, a beautifully stacked stone in like perfect sequential, you know, brick lay pattern. And I put a flashlight through it. It just goes down. It looks like it goes down 40 feet. It looks like it goes down forever because it just, it's just crystal clear water. That, that was pretty cool. And then right under where I'm sitting, which is about six feet away from that water well, there is a, a cistern. So when this mm. house was like pre-plumbing, pre-sewage, there's a big giant, there's like a tank. It's like a six foot diameter by probably about 10 foot or eight foot deep cement tank right underneath the house. And I moved the board and I heard this whole and they moved the boards and I looked and it was just big empty tank that's like has like a pipe in it, but it's completely defunct and not using, not being hmm. able to be used. So like I, I would assume it would catch rain runoff or something, but and then also I guess you would have to pump water from the well into that, and then, or I don't, I don't know, I don't understand how that works. Yeah. But wow. anyway, it's not, it's not obviously in use anymore because we get water from a well down the block. Sorry, down the property. I didn't mean to say down the block, but it, it comes up and gets pumped across the yard. Hmm. hmm, that's crazy. I had a fun week in the backyard. Talk about living in a farmhouse. Um, so when it when it rains up here for like five days in a row, you have like <clears throat> maybe seven or eight inches of just like mush. And you always take your chances. You're like, you know what? Maybe I can drive on it. Maybe I can't. Maybe can I drive on it? And it's been dry for a day. So I had to bring my my new uh, kitchen, my new island for my machine shop that I made. I thought you were going to say new truck, like you bought another truck. But. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, the, the things that, the thing I bought, the, the uh, toolboxes with the new top for my machine shop. So I put them on a trailer and I drove the trailer on, on wet grass. And I was like, okay, everything's going smooth. I unloaded and I went to make a big U-turn in my lawn and I got stuck. Oh. So I disconnected the truck and I was able to pull the truck out. So I was able to get the truck out without minimal damage to the lawn. And uh, so I said, let me just leave the trailer. So like five days goes by, the trailer's sitting out there I'm waiting for it to dry and it's never getting dry. And then Patrick Reynolds wanted to borrow the trailer and I needed to get it out anyway. So I was like, you know what, let's take this afternoon to get it out, which was like this Sunday. So we go to get it out with my truck. I think it's dry enough. I drive down there. I get stuck again. But I was able to move about 20 feet till I got to a much softer part of the lawn, and that's where I got stuck. And I was like, okay. So we back up the Jeep. We hook the Jeep to it to try and pull the Jeep out. So now the Jeep's trying to pull my car and the trailer out. 
no go. So we disconnect the trailer. It doesn't pull my car out. I was like, you know what? Let's stop wasting time. I went and I got the case backhoe. And I go and get the case backhoe. I hook up to my car. All four wheels of the case backhoe are spinning. Now the case backhoe's got wheels that are like five feet high, six feet high, and they're spinning in the mud. <laughs> now my lawn is complete. It looks like an airplane crashed into my lawn now. It's like, forget it. So then I turn the backhoe completely around, and I'm using the big claw. And I hook the chain to the claw, and I pull the car, you know, eight <laughs> feet. Then I back the backhoe up, and then I set the arm out, and I pull the car eight feet. And then I set the backhoe out, and I pull the car, and I finally get the car completely out. Lawn is absolutely destroyed. I was like, well, now that the lawn's destroyed, let's just get the trailer out, too. So I pull the backhoe all the way forward, set the chain up, drag it, set the chain up, drag it, set the chain up, drag it. I get everything out. That took probably about an hour. And I haven't had a chance to go look on my real, my, uh, my ring camera, but that's probably some crazy, fun-looking, wacky <laughs> pick stuff there. Get the backhoe going both directions. And I have to put the, you have to put the stabilizers out every time. So you back up three feet, and then you go, you put them down, and then you get the backhoe pulling it. I always forget to put the stabilizers down, and I go to drive away, and the, the backhoe does a giant wheelie because that arm throws all your weight off. So if your arm oh. is extended out, and you turn around to drive, like even just to move a couple of feet thing just goes whoop, goes like completely back. And that's a wheelie bar. So you don't flip completely over, but you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot to put the, you know, the thousand <laughs> wow. pound arm back in position. Yeah, so that was a fun one. And now my lawn looks looks like, it, it looks like, you know, a couple of uh, mud boggers were running through there. The, the ruts are like 10 Do inches. Do you not have deep. a winch that you were like using to pull from something? Um, that would, I would have had to, that wench would have had to go 300 feet and I would have had to like subject the, with that car with the wench in it. Like it would have had to subject that to get stuck in the mud too. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's real soupy up here. So now my lawn is just completely destroyed. So always, always run the time-lapse feature on your GoPro when you're doing stuff like that. <laughs> I should have. I really was in the moment. I was like, I should film this. I was like, forget it. Let's just get this thing out of here. Forget this happens. <laughs> and then talk about it on podcast, <laughs> right? So you don't forget that it happens. David, what have you been? What have you been doing? I got to do some really cool stuff. So recently, uh, I'll, I'll back up. So about three years ago, my great uncle passed away, and he was a car restorer, a car collector, and a dealer, just all out of his home and, and a couple of barns. And I didn't know him very well, uh, but he mostly worked with uh, Pontiacs. Pontiac was the thing as well as Corvettes. So only GM, no no Fords, nothing else. And I saw my great aunt a couple weeks ago, and she's like, yeah, we just have these two massive barns just full of stuff. And she, and she was like, he, Uncle Gene used to go to auctions every single week and just collect stuff. And it's all in these two barns. And my son comes up from Florida like once a year to help clean out and sell it, but it's overwhelming. And I was like, I want to go through that. And she's like, please take anything you you want. Hmm. So I, we, uh, it was like American pickers, just like that TV show. So me and my brother went over there and one of the old barns is, uh, it used to be a basket factory back in like the early 1900s. So it's like this crazy cool old building that's it's not really cool. It's it looks like it needs to come down, but 
<laughs> inside these two barns were all of these partial cars, a couple complete cars, but just like stacks of doors, stacks of windshields. You said Pontiacs. Are they all radios. Pontiacs or they're, they're various? Almost, almost all Pontiacs. Some Buick stuff. Um, there were two Stingray Corvettes in there. Um, Where are they now? Well, can I have them? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, unfortunately not. So, uh, and oh, there there was this old Buick. I, I don't know what it is, but it has that like Model T look. So like super, super old. 30s. Yeah. Um, just stacks and stacks of stuff. And then non-auto stuff just piled up like so there what's was happening with all this stuff you got me you got, i meant to ask you about this when i saw your tweet yeah so um some of it is worth quite a bit of money especially to a car collector looking for a door or a panel or mm-hmm. or whatever so her son who lives in florida who happened to be my industrial arts teacher in seventh grade so her son <laughs> um mr contact i did my first ever woodworking project with him so um yeah, but he comes up like once a year, and he kind of goes through, and um, he he pulls some things out. They sold a lot of the complete cars, uh, and I, I think he's just he just needs to find Pontiac collectors and and sell the stuff. Um, a lot of it needs to be just trashed, honestly. But there's like there's probably two hundred maybe more bicycles. He just like, he couldn't pass up a deal. Like if a bicycle came up for free or for five bucks, he would take it. Um, but the, one of the cars was just chopped in half. Like he used to, he was one of those guys who could take two cars and combine them into one. Right. I didn't know him very well. Wow. I, I wish I did because the, the, the skill it takes to do something like that is yeah. just phenomenal. So it was just so cool. The, these barns pretty much, you know, untouched from when he used to work in there he used to do um one of the barns had a room for for painting and then the paint cabinet you open it up and there are probably a dozen of the devilvis spray um guns which those are hundreds of dollars a piece i'm gonna imagine like just um all kinds of just cool stuff so i and i didn't i didn't take anything there's nothing there that i really that i really wanted um, except for a couple books. And so, um, she's, my great aunt's going to talk to her son to see if I can have the books, but it was just a, I just, it's like going to an antique store. So most of the time I walk away with nothing, but I just like looking through all that stuff and it was so cool. That's awesome. So if you are a Pontiac collector or a restorer, uh, and you want to make a trip to Ohio, I can hook you up with, with my aunt, uh, they have so much stuff to get rid of. It's um, she's in her eighties, and it's probably super overwhelming for her to have all of the stuff, not knowing what to do with it. But oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, my brother did find. Uh, oh yeah. So the, uh, my brother found an, a moped, and I forget the name of the moped. I think it was sold at Sears. And Allstate. they made it from like what? Allstate. It doesn't sound familiar. Anyway, we um he looked it up and it was only made for like three years. And he's gonna get that moped and, and kind of fix it up. It says no, let me know if you guys know 
Um, but on the gas tank, it says, do not use unleaded fuel or unleaded gasoline. Hmm. Have you ever come across that? And what does that mean? It was, it was a switchover. Leaded gas started in the, in the 70s. Right. And uh, so you would see cars that say leaded, unleaded. And uh, I probably, I'm probably not 100% right here, but leaded gas, <clears throat> they put literally lead in it. And I was told the lead was to soften the, the valves. So when the valves open and close, the leaded gas, like the, you're literally leaving deposits of lead to soften the, hmm. <clears throat> the, uh, the mechanical action in the car. Don't, so it said don't use leaded gas? Yeah, it said don't use leaded gas. Yeah. Because, yeah, so leaded gas uh, was the old way. Obviously, lead is bad. You can't, you know, you can't vaporize it, obviously, you know, through uh, engine combustion. So that's why now you have only unleaded gas. But I do remember that moment in time where cars, you know, were used to one type of gas versus the other. So you'd go to the gas pumps and it would say leaded or unleaded. And obviously now hmm. it's only unleaded gas. It's not even a choice anymore. But that might have been right at the beginning of the changeover. Uh, I, I found uh, a photo that I took of it. It's called the Sears Free Spirit Moped. And oh, it was made in okay. the late 70s. Oh, yeah. I see some of those here. I was looking them up. The reason I said Allstate is because Sears had a brand of scooter and mopeds called Allstates. And they were basically rebranded machines from other brands. So if you get a Sears Allstate scooter you're actually getting a Vespa with a different badge on it. They bought them from Vespa. Oh. Um, so I've had, I mean, I have a, a 62 Vespa from Italy. And at one point I had a 63 Allstate from the United States, but they're the exact same scooter, but they just have a different badge pattern. And, you know, there may be some other tiny like trim changes, but Mm-hmm. They did that with uh, Vespa. I believe they may have done that with Lambretta. And then there's some, the picture I just sent you is like some sort of little moped looking thing. I don't know what brand yeah. it originally was. But anyway, if you see a Sears Allstate something, it's it's a rebranded something else. <laughs> gotcha. It's not as cool as the, as the photo that you, that you sent. This one looks more like a traditional um, 70s moped. He wants cool. to, uh, yeah, since I got the, uh, the, the, the painting supplies now, he wants to learn how to do that. So he might bring, I mean, there's not a lot to paint on there, um, but he might restore it and ride around town. Yeah. Cushman is the other one I was thinking of. They oh, yeah, also Cushman? made, yeah, there's all state Cushman scooters, which are like totally different looking scooter, kind of goofy looking in my opinion, but you know. Yeah, if anybody's uh, curious about leaded gas, I just found a little bit. Leaded, uh, leaded gasoline prevented engine knock in older cars and lead buildup on the valve seats effectively created a cushion onto which the valves would close. Without this, the valves may eventually get damaged. But with your driving habits, that's unlikely. Uh, lead additives are still an I'm just reading like a little clip from a, a vlog. But um, anyway, so that's what leaded gas was for. And then obviously because lead is bad, it was discontinued. In 1975. Hmm. Well, to add on to my story, I just found out that Allstate actually had a couple of cars as well. They rebranded some Lincolns in Kaiser Fraser cars. I don't know what those are. but So they had scooters, motorcycles, and cars. 
what do you know? Anyway, um, all right. So for me, we we are putting out a video. We didn't put out a video last week. We gave ourselves, you know, a, a little break. And even though we had a video about finish, we pushed it down the road a week, which was nice. And so that is coming out now. We made a secret whiteboard. So we made a whiteboard that you can draw on, but you can't see it until you do a certain thing, and then you can see what's on the board. And the Ooh. reason this came up is because, like, in the back of the video that you guys are looking at, there's a giant whiteboard. And we used to always, like, when we were filming in the office, we would always have to look at the board and say, okay, is there something up there? Is there a sketch or, like, a, a you know an idea or something that we don't want to show yet? And we would have to shoot around it or blur it out, whatever. So then that got me thinking, what if we made a whiteboard where we could draw the stuff on there and then turn it off? and hide it when the cameras were rolling and then we could turn it back on. And so that's what we did. And it's pretty simple, but pretty effective too. Yeah. How so does that's that coming out. Is that, is that an yeah. invention or is that something you're able to no, a, a, no, no, apply? No. It's just applying a couple of different things that we've used in the past. You got to watch the video, man. I'm not going to tell you. If I tell it people here, <laughs> they won't go watch the video. So they got to, but it was actually, it's using a bunch of simple stuff, but I learned something specific about uh, dry erase markers through this process, trying to figure out how to, to make this work um, using UV ink. Basically, I, I learned that a dry erase marker, the reason it's dry erase is that it has a solvent suspended within the ink. So when you draw, you're drawing the ink and then the solvent is laying on the surface. So when you go to wipe it off, you're taking that solvent and you're using it against the ink underneath it and it removes it. That's why you can use a dry erase marker on pretty much any non-porous surface. You can put, you know use it on glass or whatever. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool thing because you don't really hear about that. I feel like that could be used in other things. I don't, I don't really know what, but it seems like having a you know, bound solvent within some sort of an ink or a paint or something. I don't know. Maybe there's no practical use for it other than a, <laughs> a whiteboard, but... Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's what we did this week, and mm-hmm. um, we've been finishing up our podcast studio, uh, spending a lot of time there, trying to get that to sound good, and we recorded the first show in it yesterday, finished, and it was funny because we um, we were talking about, we, you know, we spent all this time trying to make this thing sound better, and it's, we hope it does, because we were recording for the first time, so I didn't really know how it turned out, so... We were talking about that, and then we got a knock on the back door in the middle of the show, and the electrician showed up, my friend who's doing some work for us, and the work is running lines over top of the studio room to another room, and so we were still recording. So we were talking about it trying to sound better, and then uh, there's all this, like, <laughs> you know, across the top of the room for, like, half the show, but he had to get to work, so we <laughs> just kind of kept going. So the first one might not sound better, but hopefully the future ones will. Yeah. So that's what we did this week. I wanted to uh, follow up. I got lots of suggestions on uh, storage. We haven't talked since we did that episode, right? That was a week ago. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should also talk about the the anniversary thing real quick when you're done. So don't okay. Yeah. Forget. So uh, we um, I ended up getting this big GRAD. Just it's it's eight terabytes because eight terabytes is not enough to save everything I need. But eight terabytes is enough. Sorry, eight terabytes is not enough to save everything I've ever recorded. But eight terabytes is enough to save everything I've ever exported. If that makes sense. I'm not trying to save every bit of video I've ever shot, although I have it. 
What I'm really concerned about is the finished final cuts of every movie I ever made. So that is a separate pile of storage that I would like to consider. So as a stopgap measure, before I get into the Synology complicated stuff that a lot of people have either mystified or even extremely complicated more for me, got lots of emails. <laughs> so thank you everybody for, for reaching out to me. <clears throat> you know, so when I open them, it's like, you should just do this. It's really simple. And then it goes into like literally 500 words. And I'm just like, just that 500 chunks of words already turns me into like snail mode. And then I just need someone to go, Oh, just buy this. And then if I click on that, and that's that's the type of answer that I like because I have zero attention span. But I ended up getting this one giant eight terabyte drive. And that's just simply to back up all of my rendered movies. So now I have a little redundancy. Not the best redundancy, but then I will go get this Synology stuff that you guys suggested. So then I have a little bit more time. Just because when I showed those drives, everyone's like, if you don't have those backed up, I'm going to come over there and slap you. And I was like, I really don't have it backed up. So <laughs> to avoid getting slapped, I'm just going to do this. And right now I, I dragged over OneDrive last night because it just finally came on Amazon yesterday. I dragged over OneDrive and it took uh, seven hours to copy that OneDrive over because there was 900 rendered movies on it. Now, and I have lots of various movies, but anytime I export a movie, I'll export a movie with a, with the ad in it. If there's an ad, one without the ad, one with the voiceover, one with just sounds, one with maybe music. So I have like various versions of every video that I ever make. So that's why there's so many. So when you multiply, you know, I don't know, six or 800 movies that I've ever made times multiples of each one of them, I have lots of rendered versions of everything. So... Yeah, and then I just, so that copied over last night. And then the next one I copied over had over 800 rendered movies in it. So those two drives that I copied onto the big giant one were my backups that I stopped doing in like 2018, just because I just like, you know, I might've moved it off my desk one day and then all of a sudden everything goes in another direction. I talked about that, how we're like, I have this routine and one day I put on a different pair of shoes and my whole entire routine just changes because I put on a different pair of shoes and there's no explanation for it. But when <laughs> I like go back and analyze the uh, forensics, it's like, oh, that's the day I stopped exercising because I couldn't find my sneakers. But I did find them two days later, but I was already in no path. Yeah. It's just like, I can't change it. You know, like that's that type of stuff. So for some <laughs> reason, I stopped backing up all my renders. And uh, so now I will go. So my renders are all on individual hard drives, you know, from 2018 till now, which is not bad because there's only like four drives that I have to go through. And that's my cool. story. <laughs> Good. Uh, so I wanted to say thank you to everybody who sent us messages and, and like congratulations and stuff on an anniversary. I know it's silly that we, you know, get together and recorded just for the sake of the fact that we were already recording a lot. But it was nice, and we got some really nice messages um, from that. We got some nice messages this last week from people who, when we talked about comments and stuff a couple of weeks ago and how mm -hmm. painful that can be sometimes, we got some really amazing yeah. responses from a few people saying how, trying to encourage us past yeah. those those hurts, which I thought was really nice. Um, I also had a few people who just were happy to tell me that I was doing the backup thing totally wrong or incomplete or <laughs> the thing, half the things I said was, you know, yeah, thanks, I guess, to all that as well. But <laughs> Wait, we got, uh, we got trolled on our, uh, we got trolled in the hot tub? I got trolled a little bit from people because I said, there's several different ways to do this, meaning 
don't take my word for it. Do your research because there are some different companies who make machines that do very similar things. And, you know, I'm not claiming to this be the only way to back your stuff up. And I got told a little bit from that. So the hot actually, tub reference, the hot actually, tub reference, <laughs> the hot tub reference, in case people don't get it, is a couple months ago, maybe a year ago, I said a joke. I said, if you pin a comment in a, in a comment section, that's usually the hot tub at the hotel where only you and your friends go in it. You're not going to go in the hot tub with strangers. You're not going to go like <laughs> three people and then three people you don't know. And then you have to yeah. have your own individual. Just get the hot tub is going to be taken over by everybody, you know. So the pin comment is the hot tub. And collectively, conceptually speaking, this whole podcast and all the people that listen, you're all in the hot tub. And you can't you can't troll in the hot tub. Otherwise, you have That's to right. That's right. Well, actually, Bob, it's funny. <laughs> I used to be... Uh, I'm gonna title the episode. A, a domain squatter, and the, I was a. It was it was dumb. I used to buy up a bunch of domain names, thinking someday I'm gonna get rich off of them. One of the domain names that I owned for a few years was WellActually.com. Oh man, <laughs> I don't have it anymore. I, I sold it, but uh, Well, actually, you know. did you get any money for it? And uh, I've never sold a domain for like, and in like a really good amount of money, just okay money. You know, you buy it for 10 bucks and then you can sell it for a hundred dollars a few years later, whatever I did. This is so off far off topic, but there's a comedian named Theo Vaughn, lots of Netflix specials on there. He used to be on, he was on a season of last comic standing an NBC show like 15 years ago, maybe even longer than that. And I, I was like, Oh, I like this guy. He just got voted off. Well, that's that stinks. And then I'm like, I went to go see if theovon.com was available. It was. I bought ah. it. <laughs> um, wow. And then like a year later, Theo emailed me. And if you know Theo, he, his email, he types his email just like he talks. He's like, hey, bro, uh, I see you own my, no, my domain name. Um, my name, I'm wondering if I could buy it from you. And I was like, hey, Theo, I happen to be a web developer. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the name if, if you want. I'm not going to try to screw you over, but I happen to be a web developer. Do you need a website? And he's like, bro, I need a website. So <laughs> I wild. worked on Theo's website for a good five years. And then he got somebody more professional eventually, but I still own the domain name. So, uh, every year, um, or every time he switched whatever, he would have to contact me like, oh, my web developer is moving this. And so finally, like two, three years ago, I'm like, hey, Theo, we got to we gotta get this in your name. Um, that way it's not so much of a hassle for you. But anytime he's in town, he comps me tickets and I get to go to his shows. Oh, that's, that's great. Cool. That's a great yeah, story. We still chat. And now he's like a super famous comedian. Yeah, he it's, is. It's kind of, kind of bonkers. That's, that's crazy. Cool. I've bought several domains over the years that I thought I would do something with. And I didn't buy them like I wasn't squatting on them, but I bought them to use and then didn't use them and let them go. And then looked back later and be like, I should have just held on to it and sold mm -hmm. it because <laughs> we had we had launchpadapp.com because we were building oh. this app called Launchpad. And I don't know what's there now. I haven't looked. So maybe it's nothing. But I feel like that's one I probably should have held on to. I also had people who look like robots.com which I had a, <laughs> I had a, a joke one. for, and I was going to build a site around. Yeah. And then I'm sure nobody picked that one up. It's probably still available if anybody wants it. But 
Do you remember the website people who look like Kenny Rogers.com? No. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know if it's still up, but it's just a website and it's just photos of people who look like Kenny Rogers. Oh wow. I had I like to bake stuff uh, dot com for a while because we were gonna mm-hmm. we were joking around about doing some like cooking stuff with my wife because she's awesome at cooking. And then we never did, and then I let it go and somebody else picked it up and I don't know what happened with it, but yeah, there's making it, and like now there's, there's baking it. New TV show coming out. It's the same producers. You, you oh know? no, it's not. It's already. I, I, I suggested. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be on that. I suggested. <laughs> I should friend, have asked. Are you not going to be on that one too? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be on that one. Oh God, I just. Oh God, the grossest thing. I just. Fucking, sorry, I just got completely skeeved out. I have. A, I'm, I'm. I have peanuts next to my table. This is the grossest story you're ever going to hear today. Oh, and I okay. dropped the bag of like uh, pistachios, and I'm like, oh, there's a pistachio. And I picked it up. It's not a pistachio. It looks like a pistachio. It's a tick. That is the size of a pistachio. A tick, just like laying on the counter. It fell off the cat. Yeah. That's why the cat's only allowed in the kitchen. He's not allowed outside. We we pretty good at keeping the ticks off the cats, but every once in a while, one gets away. Anyway, that's my tick story. Would you like to take care of that? Oh, it's just would you like to take care of it. Take he's care so of it? fat, his tiny little legs. He can't walk. He's so giant. It's like it's like a tick the size of a pistachio. Oh. And his little tiny his little legs. He can't move. Dave's grossed out. That is pretty gross. I am. I wasn't going to oh. eat it. I was going to pick it up and throw it in the sink because this pistachio bag spilled yesterday. And I'm like, oh, there's one of the stray pistachios. And it's a tick. <laughs> there's one of the stray pistachios. Yeah. What were we Giving talking about before the, Lyme disease. What were we talking uh, about before the tick story? Uh, who cares? No. no. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't matter. Oh, my goodness. So I ha- in my notes of future videos, one of them is apps that woodworkers would use. And so I thought, well, maybe we should talk about, like, since we got super nerdy last week, we should get super nerdy this week yeah. and talk about it. apps we use to design stuff. Yeah. And so, and then maybe, uh, maybe I'll learn about some new things either from you or from Twitter replies about apps that I could talk about in that future video that I want to make. I still hmm. use Illustrator for mostly everything. Mm-hmm. I use yeah. Illustrator to create, because I, like, if I have to do something in inches... And let's say it's hundreds of inches, you know, I'll, I'll reduce that measurement down to centimeters. So if I have to build something like in a room, like when I built the trailer, for instance, I had drawings from the, from the client, but I redrew everything in Illustrator just so I could understand scale and size and everything. And sometimes if it's too big for the palette for Illustrator, can you make the Illustrator palette bigger? I don't even know. I never yeah. even you can Yeah, you can that. change the art. <coughs> what's it called? Art box? The art board. Artboard, that's word. Yeah, well, there's the artboard, but then you can only go like I think 15 feet in each direction on the artboard. I don't know. Oh, I I change uh, when I have to work in feet. I will change inches to uh, is it picas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so I can work to scale. So I I use Illustrator a lot. Um, I find that I'm not using Photoshop nearly at all lately. I just use Photoshop to make my thumbnails. I used to use Photoshop all the time. And I would draw like 3D images. And this is also if I'm doing a client pitch, I'll sometimes draw in Photoshop. And uh, I use the, the pen web tool where you click, you click, 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 click to make webs. And then you fill it with a color. 
So I used to do that all the time. I used to always draw in Photoshop, but lately I don't have to do that as much because um, I'm not really doing client pitches like I used to. But um, I find for, for design software, I use Illustrator. And then from Illustrator, I can go into Vectrix. From Illustrator, I can go into my Plasma Cut software. So you export as a PDF in many cases. Also, I can go to my Laser Cut software from Illustrator. You know, a lot of people think that you have to draw in the specific. You know, these things, I think they sell them just so you have a drawing platform for the person that knows no better. So you try and draw in these platforms, for instance, like the laser cutter and the platforms. It's like, you know, it's, it's, learn, it's like learning a whole new language that you're never going to really need to know unless you're in that environment. But it's, in my opinion, it's best to s- just learn Illustrator or Corel Draw. And then from those drawing programs, you can export to anything else instead of getting to know a new laser software drawing program because it comes with it. I don't know. What's your opinion on that, guys? Uh, so, yeah, I th- Glowforge. I love Glowforge because that machine has been phenomenal for a good five years. But I think they have like a paid thing now, like a monthly thing where you can then draw in the Glowforge software. And I, I'm so over subscription services like that. Um, and so I, and plus, you always have more control over. I can't stand programs where you have to log in. Like GoPro, you know, like they make you log uh, in all the time. I can't stand it. Yeah. It's my uh, uh, um, another uh, out of the weeds thing, but I have these lights in my, in my, these studio lights in my shop, and they're all made by Aperture. And you can control them with the app, which is super cool and handy if I need to like turn one a different color or turn one down. But you have to be logged into the app with your account and for whatever reason it logs you out all the time so i'll be in the middle of a shot and i'm like oh yeah i want to do this thing with the light that i can't reach so i'm going to use the app i'm like you have to log in and every password is like this long chain of numbers and symbols and stuff so i have to then go to my computer to figure out it's no man No, no, no 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 okay there's software there's software recommendation right there right there Use one password or Dashlane or I don't care which one you use. Use a password manager. It's safer and you can put it on your phone and your computer. They can sync up. You can have all those long passwords that you don't need to remember. You can build that into the input of your iPhone. So when you go to log into something, it has a little key that locks up or that pops up. You hit that key. It puts in the password for that particular site or app or whatever, and it saves that work. Which, yeah, the app thing is still annoying, but password manager is something that everybody should be using, Jimmy. I can see your eyes glazing, but <laughs> everybody should use it. I'm looking at the pistachio. It just walked about two inches. Ew. <laughs> Gross. So I use the, the keychain, the built-in Apple thing for that, and it works with some apps and doesn't work with other apps. So... Um, when it doesn't work, then I have to go in and in the settings and, and figure it out. I used to use one password and then they kept like, every time there's a new version, you got to pay another 30 or 40 bucks for it. And I just kind of, yeah, I've never had to pay for it more than once. I mean, I think there's maybe a, a yearly fee for subscription or something. Cause we have a team license for it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I'm with you with the with the the idea of having to pay for an additional step, like in the Glowforge thing. They have a pro thing that has drawing tools in it. I I'm totally with you on the subscription fatigue, 
where, you know, yeah, you're paying four bucks here and four bucks over there and four bucks over there and whatever. And it adds up to a lot. But from the perspective of somebody who doesn't do a lot of other software work, if they're not paying for a creative cloud and they don't want to use a free thing like Inkscape, if they have a Glowforge and the only thing that they really need software, drawing software for is doing things on that particular machine, it is a nice little added feature for that person. I don't I mean, it's not worthwhile for people that have something more powerful at their disposal, but Mm -hmm. I do understand why they make stuff like that available because then you don't, you're not forced to go out and buy and look for another external piece of software that can do like another little piece that makes the Glowforge when they can just build it in. And it's funny because I actually had a conversation, pretty extensive conversation with the owner of Glowforge about building that stuff in about four years ago. And I said, you know, basic drawing tools would really push you guys forward. And he was like, well, yeah, but then it would also create this problem and this problem and this problem. And the way that they got around all of the stuff, the support they would have to add was by making that stuff a paid feature. So I kind of get it, even though I'm with you on the fatigue. So say making it a paid feature is something that people would take more serious? Is that Well, n- mainly from that perspective, and this was a conversation many years ago, but he was saying that if they had added those things, they would be required to support. If they added those features, then they would have to support the the software in a, at a whole different level. And to cover that support cost, they made it a paid oh. feature. Oh, basically. I understood. Okay, that makes sense yeah. now. I didn't realize what, what, what the point was. But, yeah. but I see it as, like, uh, if you look at Inventables, their CNC, their software, you can draw circles and, and, and squares and, and stuff like that. So you can do simple things. And I've always wondered why Glowforge just didn't just allow me to draw a circle. Sometimes I just need to cut out a circle that's five and a quarter inches. And I don't want to do an app, then export it, and then import it, and then, <laughs> then yeah, place it I, on, I agree. on the thing. Well, yeah. some some programs, some CNC machines have, and I know Tormach's got it, and... Uh, uh, they have on the the software that runs the machine. They have called it's called the conversational, which is for doing simple shapes, like the plasma cutter, for instance. A lot of machining tools seem to have this. Uh, it's the conversational. If you have that, maybe might maybe 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 you don't know what's available on your machine. I'm not sure what machines outside of machining machines. Anyway, you open up the conversational, you can look for it in your software, and then that gives you the ability to make a square, a circle. On the plasma cutter, it gives you the option to make gussets, like a plate with holes in it. So if you're going to make like a flange, so it's flange, squares, circles, you know. So it's just a quick way if you need to make a part that is, and they try to cover as many standardized parts as as they could potentially think of. And then that software gets upgraded from time to time. But Tormach has it, and the Torchmate plasma cutter both has it and now i'm thinking in terms of like does the cnc machine have it the cnc machine has it. it's called vectrix and that means you could basically design anything so it doesn't necessarily have its own conversational it's conversational as its design software well and like full spectrum laser their software has some some basic shape building and stuff in it too but you're right jimmy like you said earlier to if you want to lean into that and use that as your design software that's a whole new thing you have to learn that's built in with the you know the laser control software. It's all one big thing. So I mean, you can invest your learning in that one or in something yeah. more well, across so, the board. And it's like funny, you know, 
as we meet people, and I talk a lot of details about stuff like this to people that we meet in and around, you know, the events we go to and talk about, you meet people that are only in that environment. They only use, as an example, Full Spectrum or Glowforge. They only use that design software because they never did anything in this environment and they got that machine and that's their design software and that's what they know. So sometimes people will talk to me and they're like, hey, I'm in this. I'm like, I have no idea how to use that. Well, don't you use that machine? I go, I do, but I just import all my files from a different design software that I use across platforms. So if somebody digs into it, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just going from that to something else. You're going to have to learn something else if you do decide to get Vectrix or a CNC machine, you know, or Mach. I know there's like Mach 3 and 4. I never use that. I see it on Instagram and YouTube all the time. I personally never had any experience with it. I know I think that's what... Bob, is that what you use for your... Yeah, that's what, no, we, we use Mach 4 now. But that's yeah. strictly a control, machine control, control software. Yeah. But that, like, the way Vectrix is a design software that goes across all machine brands. Mach is a is a control software that goes across brands, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. you put in, like, a profile for your machine. So you can use pretty much any machine, I believe. I use ShopBot. ShopBot has its own proprietary control software, so... I wonder if you could use a ShopBot machine with mock control software. I never oh, I'm sure you could, yeah, if somebody's built a profile for it. Um, we're, we're running kind of long, but I wanted to throw out a couple of different little, they're not really, I guess they're software, they're websites that I have found recently, because otherwise I'm going to say Fusion 360. I use that a lot. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Uh, Illustrator, that's cool. We've talked about those. These are two sites that I found in in working on something else, and I think they're really cool. One of them is called templatemaker.nl. And these are just things I ran across, so I know nothing about them. This one is basically for making uh, templates for 3D objects, for paper templates. So if you were making packaging, some crazy shape, uh, there's even like a coffin shape on here, Jimmy. So if you want to make a paper (laughs) coffin, it, it gives you fields. So you can put in all of the parameters. It generates a flat, foldable template for that shape. And then there's a bunch of different file formats. It's free. It's fast. Like, it kind of works in real time. Name that again, um, Bob. I'm going to write that down. This is templatemaker.nl, which I guess is Netherlands. I don't know. But as you change the parameters, you can see the preview for it change right next to it. You can have it fit to you know, a piece of paper or put in your whatever paper size you're going to be using. It's a pretty cool little system, and there's a huge number of... Yeah. Oh, uh, so I've uh, never been here. Yeah, I just ran across it. The other one, <clears throat> I was looking for uh, making a cone, a pattern for a cone one time. And this was for when I was making uh, the light fixtures. And so I found this this page that was a very similar thing where you put in parameters, it changes the cone uh, template, and then you can print it out from there. And I was like, oh, that's neat. It's a cone template. I wonder what the rest of this site is. So I click on the logo to go out to the to the outer site, blocklayer.com. This site is bananas. I, I have it up on my screen now because it was going to be one of my suggestions. I okay. use it for segment cutting all the time. Oh, well, that's awesome. I've never even thought yeah. about that. I've not gone through all this. Blocklayer.com? Blocklayer.com. Oh, yeah. this, is, this is a must. This should be bookmarked on every everybody that listens to the show. This site should be bookmarked. So, David, remember you were talking about replacing some of the um, the gauges in your car? Yeah. And I was saying that there was the site that did gauge templates. This is what I was talking about. Oh, gotcha. There's somewhere on here. I have no idea where it is because there's so much stuff. You can put in like 
I need a gauge that has, you know, zero to 47 or whatever. And it will like generate the template for that visual thing. And then, and you get a vector out of it, but it's not just stuff like that. There's like just from the front page, a deck plan and cost calculator, a baluster spacing calculator, um, stair calculators, wall framing, concrete rebar, pulley systems, (laughs) pipe notching. There's like legit construction and engineering stuff. It's all just free template generators here. And it's crazy. Yeah. uh, Whoever designed this, I don't know if it's a person or a team. It's, it's kind of a, it looks like a site that's like 20 years old. So I'm assuming it's like just a a person just making money off of AdSense. Mm. But um, the calculators are fantastic. The one I use the most is the segment calculator. So if I, if I'm turning something, and I know that I want 12 segments and my pieces are an inch wide, it will calculate everything for me. Or if I say I want a th- if I want my bowl to be a half inch thick, it'll tell me how wide I need to cut the pieces and then what angle I need to cut the pieces. It, 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 and it's totally free. Everything is totally free. I can print out PDFs from there. Uh, and from those PDFs, I can pull vector images out of there. So if I need to use that in a plan, I have a vector file. Wow, like, I have no idea about this. I'm going to use this. It's it's pretty awesome. This is one of those sites where it would... So it's not, like you said, it looks like somebody did it a long time ago and hasn't really changed it very much. So when you go to the site, in the upper left corner, there's a menu button. And if you click that, you can see what all is here. That's kind of how you get to it. It would do you good, even if you don't have a need for this, to go to this site and go through each one of those little drop-down menus and just see what's available. Keep it in your brain so you know that this is a place you could come in case you need gazebo plans. There's a button for gazebo <laughs> plans. In case you need, uh, wow. what did I see, motorcycle gearing something. I don't even remember where I saw it. Every shape you can imagine. It shows uh, you the hip, the hip trusses for roofs. Yep, for complicated roofs. That's the very top one I'm looking at. Wow, this is incredible. I see the, the circle cutting. divider. Wow! All right, this whole it's episode very, very was cool. worth this these few minutes. Thanks, <laughs> if you hung in this so, long, at least you have let down that you hear me talk about Illustrator again. <laughs> I the. Uh, like Bob, I use Fusion 360 a lot when I need to design a project that's three-dimensional. A lot of times when I just need a two, two-dimension drawing, I won't use Fusion 360 because I'm it's it's such a uh it's, it's such a huge program to learn. And I know that I can quickly draw something up in Adobe Illustrator in yeah. like minutes and, instead of hours. That being said, uh, yeah, a lot of people come to me with Fusion files that they've drawn flat images in Fusion and they're like, can I yeah. cut this out? And then I say, mm. well, it's got to be a PDF and then they make it and then you open it up and it does this weird thing. There's this weird thing like Fusion does it all the time and then if you don't know how to use Illustrator and you export a DXF or it gives you a box, but the box has 40 segments. Every, like the line might have 13 segments, a straight line. And each one of those segments is an individual object. And that's what the computer thinks. Each line is, a, is its own object instead of just a vector of a line of a box. A lot of times people will ask me to do things with Fusion or, you know, can I cut something on your machine that brought the file? And I open it up and the file's like, it's a line drawing, but each piece of the line is its own object. It makes it, makes it impossible to cut. So that's somehow somebody misusing Fusion. I'm sure there's a way to use it. But I've never had anybody come to me with a flat fusion file and it work. 
I always have to bring it into Illustrator and just redraw it. So on that, can I interrupt? I know, David, I know you're waiting to say something. With, well, with that, um, Shaper has a plugin for Fusion, Shaper Origin, and uh, it, it exports, oh gosh, I'm wanting to say it's maybe just SVG. It may be more formats. I don't remember off the top of my head. But it's a simple plugin that you can put into Fusion. So if you've created, whether it's a two-dimensional or a three-dimensional, if you need to get a vector of a face out of Fusion to use an Illustrator or something else, you can just select the face, hit export. It gives you the vector file of that face from Fusion. So it's a way, I mean, granted, that maybe is not the best place to start if you're just doing a 2D object. But if you need to get a 2D drawing out of Fusion, that's a simple way to do it. You, yeah, I think you can. Does that plugin cost anything? No, no. I, I definitely need to get that. Um, I have had issues importing Illustrator files into Fusion. For some reason, there's always a, uh, and, and I have to look it up every single time. Yeah, and export as an why. SVG. But it, it, but it imports it at the wrong size. Yes. And I think it's like a so millimeter inch yep. for conversion thing. But, um, yeah. So, oh, and if you don't have Illustrator or don't want to pay the Adobe subscription thing, there's Inkscape. Inkscape is totally free. It does a lot of the same things, especially if you just need to draw up some, um, you know, two-dimensional vectors. That's a that's a good alternative. And like I mentioned earlier, the I use the segment calculator on BlockLayer.com for turning all the time. But if you need to get a little bit more fancy and do multiple layers where your bowl or vase is a different size throughout, there's an app called Woodturner Pro, or it's called it. Uh, the, the, the website is Woodturner Pro, and the app is called Segment Pro. And I forget how much it is, maybe forty or fifty bucks, but it will help you design crazy segments of you can bring in different like which species and design your entire vase or bowl in software before you take it to the lathe and that's it's pretty it's pretty incredible get to see that that's cool uh, alright what else we got any other big apps to share um that's that's Illustrator. Illustrator is what I use the most. Then it's Fusion 360. I get asked um, every once in a while, how do I design my plans? And I say, well, it's complicated. It's laid out in Adobe InDesign, but I'm also bringing in photos from Photoshop as well as illustrations from Illustrator and uh, exports from Fusion 360, and it's all combined into one. So... The plans, I, I'm lucky enough to have a graphic design background, so I know how to do that stuff. I could never teach somebody how to make plans. Yeah, same thing for us. Our The process that we use is basically Forby being a genius and having a whole bunch of skill <laughs> and creating a bunch of things to make really beautiful plans. So I can't yeah. even, I can't do it. <laughs> he does it. Um, Forby is a genius. He helped me design the templates for my plans a while ago. Awesome. Good. Great. Um, all right. What else we got? Any other? Oh, I've, I've been using, I know I talked in the past, I've talked about, uh, I used Trello for a while for kind of project management and keeping track of videos and stuff. We moved to Airtable, which I think is still great. But over this last year, some, at some point we moved to Monday.com, which is another project management kind of web-based software thing. 
And it, it is more expensive. Well, actually, it ended up being less expensive than Airtable at our size because I have to have licenses for several people. But um, it's pretty cool and flexible enough that you can kind of, like Airtable, you can make it into whatever you want. Um, but it has a lot more uh, notification. I don't even know how to say it, but it has, it's it's built more like a way to notify somebody else when it's their turn to do a job. Airtable is like a spreadsheet and it's great for making flexible things. But if you need to tell somebody that like, I'm done with this thing, check box, it just doesn't do that. Uh, Monday.com has users and has notifications and, you know, know, messages and stuff like that. So we've been using that and uh, have been really happy with it. We've used it to uh, collaborate with some people outside of our team, which has worked out really well. So if you need something of that scale, which I know a lot of people might not, but um, it's a pretty good place to, to step up to. So. What is the program that I've used in the past? And I think we've all used it to design. Illustrator. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> the program to make boxes uh, for the laser cutter. Maker, makercase.com. Makercase.com. That's a great oh, That's yeah. a great one. Yeah. I always yeah. have to research. I can never remember the name. That's great for, you know, I make these Apple boxes and everybody mm-hmm. sees the Apple boxes mm-hmm. in the videos and they're always like, oh my God, could you make me one? Straight up designed on Makercase, took five minutes. I just simply put my logo on it. That's it. Yeah, it's a it's a great little tool. And it's it's kind of evolved over the years. They've added some more little features to it, you know. Um, it's pretty cool. What else? Uh, graph paper. Oh. Graphpaper.com. And a pencil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's something do I don't you, use do much anymore. Do you guys anymore. get graphpaper.com? I own that. If you guys need it, you can buy no. it. No, do not. Oh, I just squatter. bought it since he said it. <laughs> you did not. I know you. I have graph paper notebooks that we sell, and they're really handy. But I haven't actually drawn on graph paper for the sake of it being graph paper or graph paper. Long time. What was that? Hello. The tick. Hello. The tick is loose. Oh my god! <laughs> the cat just fell off of the refrigerator. She's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got anything else we want to recommend? Real quick. Running long. Uh. Tweet at me suggestions, um, because if I make this YouTube video in January, maybe there's something that we missed or that I don't know know about. So tweet me suggestions on what you use to draw projects for woodworking or whatever or whatever. Graphpaper.com is somebody's portfolio. Some a guy named Chris Fahey. I'm a product and UK design executive. Cool. Well, um, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters while you guys find something to recommend. Oh, crap. Big thanks. <laughs> Big thanks to our Patreon supporters. Everybody over there, uh, we are really grateful for the support and for people sticking around for so long and helping us out. It, it means a whole lot. Uh, we have a group of top supporters like Corey Ward, Albert's Woodworks, Works by Solo, Man, man from Chad Crafting. Chad from Man Crafting. <laughs> My headphones both just fell out at the same time. That's weird. Chad yeah, from Minecrafting. <laughs> you can make this to Funkiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Full Steam Designs, and Odin Leather Goods. But there's a whole bunch of other people. We are grateful for all of them. Like 
Uh, who did I say last time? I don't want to say the same name twice in a row. I don't know. Jacques Greg Spees. Hmm. Probably messed your last name up, Jacques. I'm sorry, but we are grateful for the support. Uh, if you want to get the after show, which is another little show we record after this with other stuff, if you just don't have enough of our voices, you can go to patreon.com slash making it and join up. That would be awesome. We got some really nice messages from patrons uh, after yeah, the last thank you. couple episodes. It was really cool. So go do that or don't. Either mm-hmm. way, we're glad you're here. Glad you're listening. All right, you guys got something cool to recommend or what? I got something. It uh, just popped up in my feed. I had never seen his videos, but I subscribed to him. Uh, Miroc, M-I-R-O-C-K, apostrophe S, Toolworks. Miroc's Toolworks. He's got a really cool video that's going around right now. I guess it's his latest upload uh, of a Masonic ruler. And the reason I thought it was so cool is obviously it's a beautiful design. Oh, yeah. Um, is that uh, he just did it all on a CNC. So when people's like, oh, CNC Ooh. is, you know, skillless labor. This guy did a beautiful piece on the CNC machine with a lot of ingenuity while he did it. It wasn't simply just, uh, oh, hit the button and go. You know, this it it shows the skill set that's required to really get the most out of a CNC machine. And he's and I'm looking wow. at his videos. He's got lots of other really interesting, complicated joinery and stuff. It's funny you mentioned that because huh. this video was recommended to me by YouTube the other day, and I started watching it, and I was like, oh yeah, that should be my pick. And then I totally forgot about it. <laughs> I watched and... it like at four in the morning. That's what <laughs> and so I don't have a pick. So I'm going through my history real quick, and I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it's JHS Pedals. Um, so if you're a musician, this is uh, it, it's a great YouTube channel. It's a company, it's, it's a guy, mostly, uh, that makes pedals. But he makes videos about all kinds of pedals, not just his own, and knows the history of everything, does really huge deep dives into things, and he has a problem. He owns um, probably hundreds, if not thousands, of guitar pedals. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I, I love his show. The humor on there is dry and amazing. Um he creates these little little jingles. He'll talk about like, oh, I have the 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 Wawa pedal from 1984, and I still have, and I have the box. And then this little jingle will play. He has the box. Like he does these little <laughs> jingles, and they're just they're they're brilliant. It's a really well done YouTube channel, and he makes awesome pedals. He just did a clone of Rat Pedal. I don't know if you're familiar with the Proco Rat, but there's been many different versions of that pedal throughout the years, and they just put out one that has like nine different versions all in one, and it's analog using circuitry instead of uh, like a digital recreation. And so I kind of want it. I don't know. We'll wow. see. I don't. I already have too much stuff that I don't use. Yeah, for real. Me too. I, I actually heard of JHS jhs pedals from the band i've talked about many times that i've always loved mute math they were sponsored by them and so they took a whole bunch of his pedals out on tour with them and so they talked you know there's lots of videos about you know which ones they use and how they use them because they always got some really crazy sounds out of stuff so that's cool um mine is actually a similar music thing we've talked many times about andrew huang and rob scallon both 
individually, both people that I've done stuff with. And every year, these two musical geniuses get together and they re- they have 24 hours to record an album, write and record an album in a studio. Not so 24 hours. Yes, yeah, 20, 24 hours. It's, oh, I thought it was 10 hours. Okay. Okay. No, this was, well, at least this one was a day. Okay. I think it's 24 hours. Pretty sure. I don't know. Either, either way, it's a very, very short amount of time. But uh, so they just put out, they, it's called the 1st of October. That's their band name because they get together on the 1st of October and they do this whole thing. And I've watched them all and I watched this one and I'm just continued to be blown away by those two guys. They are so talented in on every instrument and in, in songwriting and they have a blast and you can tell that they're great friends it's just, I don't know, man. It's so much fun to watch people like that who are just totally in their element, having a great time and really good at it. You know, it's not like they're they're jokey and, and doing a bad job and it's like ironically good or anything. Like they're just really good at what they do. And yeah, so this video that they both have a video on their channel kind of covering different parts of this thing. Um, I haven't watched Rob's yet. I watched Andrew's and it is an overview of the entire day and all the song the, they play through all the songs and um, shows them playing different instruments and recording and they switch back and forth between drums and guitar and singing and it, man it's just so awesome so it is 12 hours 12 hours yeah yeah the, okay. the, the limitations are 10 songs in 12 hours gotcha cool and you should also watch Rob's. It's not like a. It's not the same video as as Andrew's. It's mm. it's just as good, and the whole time you're like, holy cow, how do these two people write ten amazing songs on the spot? Like it's mind blowing. Yeah, I definitely will. It's they're very cool, and and good guys too. All right. Um, oh, also to every everybody, like we were talking about the software. I'm going to put links to all those in the show notes. So if you just want to go see that list of, I think, everything we talked about. I'll just put it all there. Um, you can click through and check all those out. You guys got anything else for today? This whole episode was worth locklayer.com. So that's, mm. that's <laughs> all I have to say. And I didn't, yep. I didn't need the tick. I threw it away. <laughs> An hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. We got to wrap this up. Wow. <laughs> We still have to go do the after show. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thank uh, you. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Love you. Hey, Bob, before yeah. we cut, uh-huh. can you let the people know that what you do to start the after show, who has never heard the after show? Oh, yeah. We always record. And then as soon as there's a pause, I go, and the after show. Mm-hmm.